Good morning. My name is not Pastor Dale Hummel. My name is Jeremy Acton. I'm Director of Worship Arts here at the Compass Church. Uh, Pastor Dale right now is in Southeast Asia where he is mentoring and encouraging pastors in that region. And so we just uh, uh, like to tell you that so you can have him in your prayers and uh, just praying for a safe and productive trip there. Tell you a little bit more about myself though. I'd like to tell you a story this morning. When I was about eight years old, my, uh, my mother and father and sister and I were traveling from Michigan to somewhere in Ohio, and we stopped near Dayton, Ohio, to have lunch. And uh, as we sat eating, a woman from a nearby table was watching us. At one point, she stood up, walked over, smiled at my mother, handed her a note, and then left the restaurant. My mother opened the note and read something along the following lines. The note said, I just want you to know that I've been observing you and your family this morning. And in this world of broken homes and, and relationships, just the way that you love each other and care for each other is just wonderful. Thank you. Oh. And so my mother closed the note, and she turned to share it with my father, and was just in time to see my sister lean over and bite me. <laughs> <sighs> and I did nothing to provoke that, by the way, just to clarify. But things are not always as they seem are they? Especially when it comes to the family. That is also the case in our text this morning, Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. It says, do not murder. Now, that seems pretty obvious, doesn't it? It certainly seems so as well to uh, some of the people who went out and videotaped on the street asking them about what aspects of the Ten Commandments their family uh, encouraged them to live out when they were younger. Watch this clip. Um, uh, you can't kill. No okay. killing. Okay. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not kill. Uh, did, your, do, did any of your rules in your family have anything to do with the Ten Commandments? I'd say, yeah, the don't kill people one. Okay, <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah. That's probably a good one. That guy's mother should be proud, huh? That, that's good. Yeah, well, as I've been thinking about this, I'm beginning to realize now why Pastor Dale decided to go out of town. Because this is really obvious, isn't it? But things are not always as they seem. This morning, we're going to talk about one specific type of murder or one specific type of killing. Jesus opens our eyes to it in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 22. Now, this morning, I'm going to be quoting out of the message, which is a paraphrase by Eugene Peterson. But if you'd like to, you can follow along with me. In, um, in the, there's a, a Bible in the chair right in front of you there, if you'd like. Matthew 5, 21 through 22, Jesus says, You're familiar with the command to the ancients, do not murder. I'm telling you that anyone who so much as is angry with a brother or sister is guilty of murder. Carelessly tell a brother, idiot, and you might find yourself hauled into court. Thoughtlessly thoughtlessly say to a sister, stupid, and you are on the brink of hellfire. The simple moral fact is that words kill. Now James, perhaps the brother of Jesus and a leader in the early church, further expands this idea for us. James says in James chapter 3, verses 3 through 10, A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything. 
or destroy it. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do just that. By our speech, we ruin the world. We turn harmony into chaos. We throw mud on a reputation. We send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke along with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. This is scary. You can tame a tiger, but you can't tame the tongue. It's never been done. With the tongue, we bless God our Father. And with the same tongue, we curse the very men and women made in his image. Curses and blessings out of the same mouth. My friends, this can't go on. Do you agree that this can't go on? Amen? Amen. Is this an issue for you? Man, it's an issue for me. Is it, is it an issue in your school? Uh, is it an issue in the home, in the workplace? Man, this morning, I would like to look at one way that we use our tongue to kill. It affects every one of us, whether we are singles or parents, whether we are students or a different station in life. And to introduce it to you, watch this following clip. I'd just like to take a quick informal poll this morning, just with a show of hands. If you're a parent here and you have a a child who's in school or has been in school, just raise your hands if you think your child has ever been a victim of bullying. Just raise your hands. Great, thanks. Put them down. Now, if you're a student now or if you've been a student in the past, which hopefully is a lot of us, please raise your hand if you feel like you've ever been a victim of bullying. Wow. Okay, put your hands down. Now, just in case we missed anyone... This applies to everyone. If anyone in this room has ever felt like in the workplace, in the home, or at school, you have ever felt like you were bullied by someone else, please raise your hand. All right, great. Oh, one more question, and please raise your hand. How many of you, in a moment of honesty, would say, yeah, you know, I actually have bullied someone before in the past? Please raise your hand. Wow. If we look around, this issue is an epidemic. 
It is a disease that affects everyone in our community and our culture. It's important that we take this challenge from God, this challenge from Jesus himself, seriously if we want to learn how to tame the tongue and to grow healthy relationships and families. Now to answer this challenge, I'd like to consider some ways that we bully with words today. Now, I'm going to look at three, three ways briefly this morning. The first way is called mobbing. Now, in some cultures, the word mobbing or the idea of mobbing is synonymous with bullying. This is where a group of people gangs up on another person because they are different, awkward, exceptional, or merely normal. And that's what we saw in this video just a moment ago. Now, this can happen anywhere, at school, at home, or even in the workplace. Now, one of the most dangerous aspects of mobbing is the fact that it's so easy to get swept into the crowd and not think about where, where you're actually going or the effect it's having on the victim. And as you saw in that video, when those brave uh, students step forward to, to help their friend, the mob just dissipates, almost like people forgot what they were doing or why they were there. Now, a second and also common type of bullying is to attack someone's reputation directly. We call this character assassination. Now, if you turn on a TV, you go on the internet, look on YouTube, um, this is a political uh, cycle. There are um, congressional elections this November. It's hard not to avoid one political candidate trying to assassinate the character of another candidate. As they try to cast doubt on the reputation, uh, make allegations about whether or not this person is fit to hold office, or just bringing up wild rumors or just sort of other issues about a person's past. As I've been thinking about this specific type of bullying, this home, hits home as a parent because there are sometimes as parents, and parents you may identify with me on this, that sometimes it is very hard to, uh, to stop in frustration from attacking a child's character, their person, instead of correcting a behavior. And we're all children here. We've all, we all are children or have been children we know how that feels to have someone directly attack us as a person and how that can leave a scar on us. Now, there's a third type of bullying, and it's one that I just learned about recently, but it really makes sense because of how technologically interconnected we are as a culture. Statistics from a 2010 survey seem to suggest that cyberbullying affects about 20% of all students. Now just out of curiosity, a show of hands, how many of you have heard of cyberbullying before? Wow, so a lot of you. It's new to me, but I'm glad that you're aware of it. Cyberbullying is defined as when someone uh, repeatedly harasses, mistreats, or makes fun of another person online or while using cell phones or other electronic devices. Content of this type of bullying consists of hurtful comments and mean rumors. Now, one tragic case that you may be aware of um, revolved around a young woman named Megan in Missouri who took her own life as a result of cyberbullying. There was a group of people, uh, some students and some adults in Megan's town, who created a fictitious, a hoax, an online personality, and convinced Megan that this personality was actually a young boy who had moved to her town who was interested in her. Now, as hap- it was what happens with all hoaxes, when it became public, Megan was unable to deal with the embarrassment. Now, after talking about those three different times of bullying this morning, please don't raise your hands, but answer this to yourself. I wonder how many here today have been a victim of one or all of those forms of bullying recently or during their lives. Or, as I asked earlier, I wonder how many of us in honesty would say, yeah, you know, I, gosh, I've done that. I have gone along with the crowd. I have 
torn down someone's reputation. You know, or I've used my technology, even my cell phone, to actually bully someone um, or to tear them down. If the research and the statistics on these issues are right, it's very clear that a large percentage of people in this very room, in this community, and the families therein are dealing with the fallout from this issue. So why do we kill with words? Especially since we understand that the tongue has such an awesome ability to destroy and also to create. Now if we look back in the book of Genesis, it tells us about the first family. And from the very beginning, words were an important part of the story. God creates everything by speaking it into existence. And he says that it was good. That's right, that it was good. After God creates man, he places man in the garden alone. We now know that this was a big mistake. When Genesis tells us in the first time that something is labeled as not good, God says it is not good for man to be alone. We need to make him a suitable helper. Whenever I think about that text, I immediately think about when my wife, Kathea, leaves me at home alone with the kids for an afternoon, and she goes out and comes back. I mean, you know the picture. You've seen it before. You, know, the, you come to the door, you know, wives, and you greet you know, these wild-haired children in unmatching clothes, and the house is a wreck, and everything's been turned into a fort, and all the ice cream in the refrigerator is gone. I mean, I don't have any idea how that happens. But, um, but ladies, you know that man alone is not a pretty picture. (laughs) Words are also important in the next part of the story where when Adam sees Eve for the first time, he bursts into poetry. And, And ladies, don't you love it when you wake up in the morning and you see your husband for the first time and he begins to just spontaneously quote poetry to you? I mean, doesn't that happen in your home? Yeah, my, my wife, you know, loves it when I do that all the time. So this is, this is just the Bible, you guys. But, but the next thing that happens in the story is important, too, with words. Because when the snake, the serpent, uses words to twist the truth, suddenly, or when the snake uses words to twist the truth, Adam and Eve together disobey God, and they take a bite. At that point, words take on a new meaning. They had a new use. They were used to lie, to cover up, um, to cover up their sin. They were used to mourn the loss of Eden. And they were used to compete for control in the home. Now we see this when Adam and Eve have their first child, Cain, and they name him, or they name their first child Cain, which literally means to acquire or possess. Then they have their second child, and they name him Abel, which means fleeting or a vapor. Now if if a child's name or their, is, or their future is wrapped up in their name, you can see from the beginning that these boys were in for trouble. And that's exactly what happens. When they grow up, Cain, who is a farmer, does not receive God's approval, as does Abel, the rancher. And so Cain does what comes naturally now to every sibling from that day until now. And what he does is he plots to take out his anger on his younger brother. Have any of you ever done that before, other than me? Maybe. It's such a common thing. And God, in, in his grace, comes to Cain and says, um, and, and confronts Cain and, and challenges Cain to do the right thing. But Cain does not listen. In that conversation, God compares this sinful, angry disobedience and, and says that it desires to have Cain with the same desire now that women have to control men and that men have to dominate women. 
Now, at this point in the story, there's actually a brief flicker of hope. And we wonder, will Cain actually make the right decision, unlike his parents? Will he actually choose the path of obedience? But the next scene in the story is painfully short. As you know, Cain has words with his brother. He lures him out into a field. And when he finally comes back, he comes back alone with blood on his hands. God lovingly confronts Cain a final time. And Cain uses his words to cover up his brother's murder. And then at the very end, he does say he's sorry, but only for the fact that his life is going to be harder now than it ever was before. When we look at this story in Genesis, we can really see that from the beginning, words have been used to give life, but they have also led to death. So why does Cain kill Abel? Why does he commit this first murder? And why do we, why do I tear down others with my words? One simple reason, pride. Like his parents, Cain let pride control him and turn his focus off of honoring God and loving others. And we allow pride to get its hooks in us. It becomes easier and easier for us to lash out at the people around us, especially the people who are closest to us. Think back with me to James chapter 3, verse 9. It says, With our tongues we bless God our Father. With the same tongues we curse the very men and women that he made in his image. We cannot lose sight of the fact that God has made every person uniquely valuable, not because of the value that I give to you or because of what you can do, but rather because of that value that he uniquely places in each one of us. When my pride causes me to tear someone else down with my words, just like Cain attacked his brother, not only do I offend my brother, my friend, my wife, I also offend God as well. Whoa. Now at this point, you might want to be saying, hey, let's, let's back up, stop the train for, for just a second. Are you trying to tell me that I can't separate the way that I talk to other people from the way that I talk about and about my relationship with God? That's exactly what I'm saying this morning. But then, if you think this through, you might reply, well, okay. If that's true, then I'm sunk. There's nothing that I can do because I struggle with how I talk to others and, and cut them down with the tongue every day. And, and it's true. It's, it's hard for me as well. Taking this idea of, not, of taming the tongue, not killing with our words from the head to heart knowledge and action, that is a challenge. And God's word even admits, we heard it just earlier in James chapter 3, verse 8, that no one can tame the tongue. But... Do you think that we should just live with this reality? We should just say, this is a fact of life. Just learn to deal with it. Do you? No. Now think back to the video clip we saw earlier on bullying. Before a few students stepped forward and made a difference by stepping out of the crowd, the following quote from Einstein flashed on the screen. If we look at the screens, can we read this together right now? Okay, you ready? The world is a dangerous place. Not because of those who do evil, but because of those who look on and do nothing. It's Albert Einstein. This morning we have recognized the ways that our words can kill and seen that our pride is the reason. But now we need to move beyond understanding what God's word says to actually doing what he calls us to do. 
And we should never forget that God has given us a tremendous opportunity here, an ability to be able to use the words, the mouths that he has given us to bless other people, to encourage them to build them up and not tear them down. Just to affirm that, a great example of that is this right here. Can everybody just hold this up? Do you have one? I don't mean to make you take it out of your pocket. Everybody just hold theirs up if you have it there really quickly. Yeah, this. This is a relatively small thing. And a small text or a, a post on Facebook or a tweet or whatever, that, that can be used just to, to tear somebody down so quickly. But it can be, also be used to totally build them up. Wait a minute. I'm actually, I'm getting a text right now. It says, uh, sorry, this is my phone's a little slow. It says, um, nice tie. Did your wife pick it out? You want to come play video games later? My wife is out of town. This is from Josh, our uh, tech director. Thanks, Josh. It wasn't as encouraging as the earlier one. What he said before was, the message is terrific. Great job. Deal with some competition. And then in parentheses he says, Jeremy told me to send this. So... <laughs> Small things can have great power, can't they? Either to build up or tear down. Proverbs, the book of Proverbs is great because it constantly calls us to choose to use our words to bless, not to curse. Can we read a few of those together? Look at the screens. The first one is Proverbs 15, verse 4. Together? Kind words heal and help. Cutting words wound and maim. Or how about Proverbs 12, verse 18? Rash language cuts and maims. But there is healing in the words of the wise. And finally, Proverbs 18.21. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. We all know that words have great power. But we have to choose to make them life-giving and not life-taking to others. But we need more, I need more than my own strength to do that. So how can we tame the tongue? Taming the tongue, I think, can begin through three simple but hard steps. Through three simple but hard choices. First, we have to admit that we need God's help. As we saw before in in James' short letter in talking about the tongue, that when I use my words to offend or tear down somebody else, I am not just damaging one relationship, my relationship with a friend or a brother or spouse. I am actually damaging my relationship with God as well. And this is a challenge to all of us because as we've all raised our hand and recognized this morning, each one of us struggles with this. And, um, and it becomes even more difficult when we recognize, as God's word says, and reveals God to us, that God is fully loving and he is fully gracious, but he is perfect. And we all struggle and come short of that. Now, this would be bad news this morning if that was the end of the story. But I'd like to tell you the good news now. And that is that my ability, our inability to, to get this right, when it, especially when it comes to words, is not, does not have the last word. God himself has had the last word. And so when we trust that God has defeated, he is totally victorious over sin, over death, and over the power of words, through his son Jesus Christ, through his life and death and resurrection, God gives us something new. And that new thing is a new mind, a new heart, and a new mouth. And do you know whose those, you know who's those are from, that we receive them from? 
I didn't say that quite right. Let me try it another way. That was, that was a lot of words altogether. Do you know whose new mind and heart and mouth we receive? Christ. We receive the very heart and mind and mouth of Christ himself. And this is really good news because God's word says that Jesus always did and said what pleased the Father. Now, I'm not claiming this morning that if you trust in Christ and you walk with him, your life will be perfect and because none of us this side of eternity will be able to attain that. However, I am saying that if we humbly ask for the strength to use our words to bless others and not tear them down, God promises to help us. And isn't that good news this morning? That is, that is such good news. I, I probably should stop right there, but I have two more points. So I have to go on here. The second thing is we need to admit that we need each other's help. In the midst of all this talk about being careful about our words, the heavy issue of bullying, and all the things that we wrestle with this morning, please don't forget that there is a good type of tearing down with words. The book of Proverbs uh, Chapter 27, verse 6, says it this way. And could you read this with me? The wounds from a lover are worth it. Kisses from an enemy do you in. And uh, the NIV, the New International Version of the Bible, which some of you may be familiar with, says it this way. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Now, we all need people, I need people in my life who help me to remember and to choose to use my words to build up and not tear down. As an example of that, my relationship with my wife, Kathea, has often been that way. And I'm so thankful for that. But in a moment of honesty here this morning, I can tell you that sometimes her way of speaking the truth in love to me is painful. I don't really want to hear what she has to say. And it's usually because she's right. Did you have those sort of relationships too? You're like, ah, they're right again. Great. You know? But the good news in that is that when I humble myself and really listen to her, and, and hear God speaking through her, it allows me to grow, especially in this issue of the things that I say. And I'm very thankful for those relationships, especially for her. Now, parents, if you're a parent here this morning, um, we really need to be this sort of person for our kids who holds them accountable. And in doing that, though, we have to wrestle with balancing that in two ways. On the one hand, we need to show our kids unconditional love and favor, not based on anything they've done, but just on the fact they're loved and valued as our children, but also as made in God's image. On the other hand, we have to make sure that we are consistent in disciplining them the way that God desires for them to be disciplined. And Pastor Dale has done a great job. I would encourage you to check out some of his past messages on how to do that uh, in the family. But if you think about the development of a child, a child who is loved but not disciplined become into a self-absorbed or sort of a narcissistic brat, someone just completely focused on themselves. On the other hand, a child who is disciplined but not loved, that child can turn into a bitter and controlling bully. But a child who is both disciplined and loved can grow to be a blessing, a blessing not only to God but also to other people. Isn't that the sort of person that we want to become? I mean, isn't that the sort of person that we desire for our kids, for our friends to grow to be as well? Isn't it? Yeah. For people of all ages, any walks of life, I know that it's very hard to find friends who will hold you accountable, who will not just go with the mob or the crowd, but will do the hard work of being humble or honest. My wife, Kathia, and I have talked about this in the different places we've lived, that friends like that are so rare and they're very hard to come by. 
I'd just like to encourage you this morning that if you are, are struggling, you feel like you need accountability, but it doesn't seem like there's anyone around you to help, man, pray and, and ask God that he would bring those sort of people into your life and be that sort of friend um, to other people. Um, Kathia, as I said, as Kathia and I talked this through, those people are so rare, but waiting for them is so worth it. You know, so please be patient and trust that God will bring those people into your life. And, and a final additional note, and I think this can pertain to anyone, but specifically to you guys who are in school right now, especially in kind of middle through high school. Please be careful to avoid those second sort of people in that parable. The one, the enemies um, who multiplies kisses, the sort of people who in public speak well of you, but then stab you in the back through any one of these number of ways. Killing with words, even though our culture says it's kind of cool and fun, it's none of those things. It's just wrong. And, and you guys are so much more valuable to God, and you're so much more valuable to us than the way a word killer makes you feel. So if you don't remember anything else from this morning, please remember that. Finally, we all need to admit that we need practice. Since our native tongue here now on the planet Earth is destruction and not creation anymore, we have to practice choosing words that bless others and not curse them. As I've been speaking to you this morning, some painful memories may have come back to your mind of someone right now or in your past who has hurt you or torn you down with words. And if that's the case, man, I encourage you to pray that God would allow you to forgive them. And if you need to, to go and to be reconciled, to talk with them and make that relationship right if you can. But what I'm challenging you to do this week is to do the opposite. Why don't you go and, and sit down by yourself, maybe with a journal, or um, sit down with your family, or maybe with a couple friends, and talk about someone in your life who has really encouraged, who has really blessed you with their words. Talk specifically about what they said and how it made you feel. I think that this is so important, especially in the family, because our kids need to hear and see stories of people who do this right, who use their words in the right way. Now, a second thing that you can do um, pertains to what Pastor Dale taught us last week in terms of taking God's name in vain. Now, just out of curiosity, how many of you remember the jar from last week? Several of you? Okay, put your hands down, please. How many of you did the jar? Awesome. Okay, here's what we're going to do. Okay, the jar, for those of you who weren't here, um, Pastor Dale encouraged us all to take a glass jar, and if you take God's name in vain at any time, take a dollar and put it into the jar. Now, maybe get a bigger jar, and this week, if you take God's name in vain or if you tear somebody down with your words or your thoughts, eh, that's even more difficult, please take a dollar and put it into the jar. Now, if you're like me, as I was thinking about this, I started to calculate my salary and thinking, well, you know, if I take three quarters of that out and put it in the jar, am I still going to be able to support my family, etc., etc.? But you get the point. This is just a great opportunity to practice and to prevent doing these things that, just, that break down a relationship with God and others. And it's also for a great cause. Because on June 12th to the 13th, as a church, we're going to gather this money from our jars. And we're going to take it and send it to the Philippines, the Pines Bible Academy. And they're going to use it to help to build up the library that they have there for the kids. So this is prevention, it's practice, and a good cause. I mean, I think that's a pretty good deal, don't you? Yeah. Don't you? I thought it was. Oh, well, that's, that's good. That's, that's, a, that's a good deal. And I'm glad that this is a generous church that desires to use the resources it has to spread the gospel, even through the ways that we stumble and we need God's help here, near, and far. Finally, 
I find that praying the prayers of others who have gone before us and have persevered in their faith helps me to practice the right way to use words. I would like to pray one of those prayers together with you at the conclusion of this morning, and I'll invite our musicians to come out and lead us into some responsive worship and song. This prayer is an old Celtic prayer, and it's been adapted by a, a community in Northumberland, Ireland. When I pray it, I'm reminded that this whole issue of taming the tongue is an ancient battle. And to be able to speak blessings and not curses to my family, to my friends, to my children, to my spouse, I desperately need God's protection and strength every day. Amen? Do you need that too? Yeah, amen. Please stand with me now. Can we please pray this prayer together from our hearts? Read these words together and pray. Christ as a light, illumine and guide me. Christ as a shield, overshadow me. Christ under me, Christ over me. Christ beside me on my left and right. This day be within and without me, lowly and meek, yet all-powerful. Be in the heart of each to whom I speak and the mouth of each who speaks to me. This day be within and without me, lowly and meek, yet all-powerful. Christ as a light, Christ as a shield, Christ beside me on my left and right. Can you pray with me? Dear Father, this subject we've been talking about as friends this morning is the scene of a battle. It is a battle zone where there is havoc everywhere. And Father, I pray that you would just renew in us hearts that desire to serve you and love you and use our words to bless and not curse each other. And Lord, we confess we need your help. I need your help. We cannot do this on our own. Thank you that you give us your word. You give us your spirit to indwell us. You give us each other to encourage and build each other up. Father, bless these friends in this way today. And and be lifted high now in our praises as we offer them to you, the only worthy God who has spoken all this into existence and one day will make all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. Please remain standing. Let's worship together.